Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. Today, we are joined for the third time in a row. You should know his name at this point. It's our guy, Prez, from over at the Strickland. And we are continuing to talk skill developments, how Mitchell Robinson can make a leap with some simple additions in his own game and some help from his guards. And then Quinton Grimes, why he has tons of untapped potential and how an old Evan Fournier trick could really unlock it. That next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, because that would, of course, make you an everyday and therefore one of our best friends. But if you really want to be one of our best friends, uh, you'll subscribe to subtext because that means you can actually text us, right? Which I think I think that's kind of a prerequisite to high levels of friendship. Um, the number and the link to join the subtext are both below um, on our episode description, both on YouTube and in podcast form. And we'll keep you abreast of the latest rumors, um, our takes after games, our takes on any news coming out of the Knicks. And then you can be proactive and text us any questions you have. It's super, super fun. I'm really excited to get started on it and uh, to get more FaceTime or at least some more text time uh, with all of you guys. But who would you be texting? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check them out on all forms of social media at the Strick. Dot land and yeah without further ado um i'm gonna call my own shot i think this this might be uh, my favorite of the three parts because M- mitchell robinson he just he just doesn't get enough love and, and he gets plenty of it in this episode so we'll get into it right now on locked on knicks prez i want to i want to get to your uh, third and final uh, skill improvement and it is one near and dear to my heart because i have i have spent uh, my four years on this podcast railing against the the injustice that Mitchell Robinson has had to the injustices i should say that he's had to do with his whole career of playing with generally terrible lot passers a team full of guys completely disinclined to throw him the basketball and sometimes with good reason because he, he can really just kind of catch and dunk and, and Alex maybe you'll, you'll talk about how he could do more in the future um but i i think he's gotten screwed out of maybe averaging an extra 4 points per game for his career and you think, or, or maybe you just hope, that uh, Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel quickly can do a better job of hooking him up and hooking um, Isaiah Hardenstein up this year. Yeah, uh, IQ and Brunson as our main ball handler, ball handling guards. Um, my third thing that I hope for in terms of player development is them finding him uh, inside. It could be for oops. It could be for dump off passes. Um, Again, I know a lot of our offenses like just go, just don't worry about that. Just just go score, and Mitch will get the ball if you don't, and that's fine, and that's how we're gonna roll. Like that's cool, but it's it's very stunning to me that um, R.J. Barrett led the team in assists to Mitchell Robinson, um, given that uh, 
Randall obviously had the ball a ton. Jalen Brunson not only had the ball a ton, but in the new year, pretty much drove like 15, 20 times per game. Um, RJ and IQ. RJ had more drives per game than IQ because he played more. Um, in the second half of the season, IQ had, I think, a little bit more, actually, as his playing time ticked up. Um, so it's it's just one of those things that Brunson and IQ aren't bad passers, but this is just one pass that uh, that they can both work on. Brunson is hard because he's short and because a lot of his drives aren't necessarily like normal basketball player drives where someone starts far from the hoop and then goes close to the hoop because Brunson's like, I'm going down and then I'm stopping and then I'm pivoting and then I'm turning and then I'm spinning and then I'm faking. (laughs) So, you know, maybe it's hard to keep track of where Mitch is and where the other center, the defensive center is among all those pivots and fakes and stuff like that. So again, this is more just like, it would be nice. It's not something he desperately needs. And then IQ just, you know, as part of his, he just gets, he's gotten so better so fast. Whereas like when he was first on the Knicks, he wasn't really driving all the way to the rim. He was just driving for the floater. And then last year he was like, Oh my God, I'm really good at driving and finishing now. So he'd be, he would like fall. He's like the first player I've seen who's a good shooter who falls in love with driving. Like, you know how people are like, Oh, they fall in love with the jump shot. I keep probably the first NBA player to fall in love with driving, even though he's a good shooter where he would like, they would go under screens and he's like, Nope, I'm still driving. And you know, he would miss Mitch sometimes, but I I also can forgive IQ a little bit because he's new to that, right? This is the first year of his pro career where he's like a legitimately good driver and finisher. So the next step for him is um, improving on the reads he can make on those drives. And to your point, Gavin, if we could just, if we could just get Mitch an extra alley-oop per game here or there, especially versus really bad teams, like let's, let's feed the big man, man. Let's, let's reward him. Let's get him some easy baskets out here. Like it's, he deserves it. He he won us a playoff series. Give that man some alley-oops. Yeah, I think there's like something to potential. And I feel like I've been asking for this since Tibbs took over. And even before that, like, why not just run a couple more like designed, like, like just sure. very standard pick and rolls for this dude. Like, it, it seems like so much of the Knicks offense is, is designed around like ways to actively avoid regular pick and rolls. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I don't I I just feel like they don't run a lot of stuff, particularly for Mitch, out of that, and it's sort of just with the idea of like, okay, well, that's because we want Mitch to be right there when the shot goes up, so that he can get that offensive rebound if it misses, and it's like, well, he could do that off of a pick and roll too, and like Emmanuel quickly, the way that he keeps guys on his hip, that becomes a lot more useful when like he doesn't just have to take a floater, like he can also like then just kind of toss it in the general direction of the hoop and Mitch can turn that into a dunk, um, which is like the easiest way to turn a 50% shot into a 75% shot is to just turn it into a, you know, an alley-oop that is very easy for a guy like Mitch to, you know, get when he can establish position and get behind a guy and just kind of jump over him. Cause he's still, I mean, we talked about this with Randall with, you know, being kind of like, muscle bound Mitch is obviously bigger now he's more muscle bound than he used to be but he's still got the hops especially now that he's sort of found that right 
balance of muscle versus, uh, you know, like, like enough muscle to be strong, but not so much that it like keeps him with cinder block shoes. Now, like he could still get up good enough to, to finish a nice alley-oop over somebody. So I, I too wish that they would go to that well more often and create more opportunities for it. And then just that the point guards would look more for it. Um, and I think that the greatest challenge with that would not be IQ, but would actually be Brunson just because of how Brunson usually operates where it's more in ISO and Brunson, like you said, it's his game is less about like, let me get going downhill and is more about like, let me do 800 different moves, get this guard stranded in the post or this forward that I got switched on who's stranded in the post. And then like, like, do 500 pivots and eventually duck under his arm and, you know, get a scoop layup or whatever. Like that's sort of like the Brunson playbook more so uh, than the IQ playbook. So, but even with Brunson, I mean, he's fully capable of getting downhill and getting inside and finishing a nice reverse or something, you know, set up more of those scenarios and allow Mitch to potentially catch some alley-oops a little more. I think that would be very beneficial. Yeah. I I think real quick, to Prez's point on, on RJ leading him, part of that is those two have good chemistry. I think part of it too is that RJ doesn't have to deal with, with RJ being the one spacing the floor when he's driving. Like RJ is like the one guy who can drive with legit spacing because it's like Randall Grimes and Brunson spotting up around him. Um, So if the Knicks like leaned into more shooting heavy lineups, like we talked about earlier, like whether that's quickly at the two Grimes of the three, DiVincenzo playing some three heart, or RJ playing some, well, that's not really more shooting, but it's, it's kind of similar shooting those guys playing four. um, like that could get Mitch some easy lobs. And I, I just love to see a world where like Mitch can operate with four out spacing. Like, I think that could really up the Knicks offense and because RJ, like, I'm, I'm sorry, this is just turning to taking shots at him is already such a bad defender. Like you don't have that much to lose by having DiVincenzo out there instead of him, even though he's smaller and weaker. Um, but Alex, I know, I know you have some ideas on uh, other ways Mitch Robinson can get more points. All right, we'll be back with even more good stuff on Mitchell Robinson, how adding either one dribble moves or more aggressive seals could potentially transform his offensive game and really help out the Knicks. And then we finish up with Quentin Grimes, why he needs to expand his game off the dribble and how the Knicks can use a two-man game between him and Julius Randle to get him more opportunities, both shooting threes and actually attacking the basket as well. But first... Finally taking that summer vacation you've been planning, but dreading buying all the necessities before I'm, I am there right now. I'm about to go to Phoenix and there's a lot of stuff I got to buy. I need, I need more bathing suits. You got to have, you got to have like a bag of bathing suits um, before you take off. It's time to stop spending your hard earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that Knicks game you've been dying to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps gives you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you can get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift card. So right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCK when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCK. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. Yeah, I, you know, I love my bigs uh, and I love traditional big man skills. 
And although Mitch is not to this point in his career, uh, oper- well, I guess he's sort of uh, he's operated somewhat similar. I I want him to be like like at a skill that's a little more 1990s, early 2000s uh, than a lot of guys necessarily have in their bag now. But one that I think would be so useful for him, and that's just something one dribble. Uh, like when I brought this up, like we were we were group chatting about this, and I was like, "Is it crazy that I just want him to add like a one dribble baby hook?" Like, take some notes from like Taj Gibson, who used to be on this team, who's six foot nine and was out there against seven footers, and yet anytime he wanted to, could generate a baby hook, just because he practiced it and had the perfect angle and knew how to use his shoulder to create that little bit of space, like you know, uh, horizontally using his shoulders to just create enough space to flip it up and over the defender and create a scoring opportunity for himself when he felt that he had good positioning, even if he didn't necessarily have good enough positioning to like straight up dunk on someone or like get a layup over them. He always had that ability to like potentially score a couple points there. And I think that possibility exists for Mitch. And like, I don't think it's that far off for him. I mean, you look at how high his reach is when he reaches and fully extends himself. Like he can almost just dump it right into the hoop. If he set it up right or bank it in, you know, I mean, I just wish that he would work on something like that. And I know that it's been like almost a running meme among Knicks fans to like watch him during the off season and like see the latest video of like, Oh, here's Mitch crossing up a bunch of high schoolers, you know, in, in Louisiana and like going inside and dunking and like, Oh, here's Mitch shooting some threes and stuff. I'm, I'm so far beyond caring if Mitch can ever shoot a three in his career at this point. And what I really want now is just for him to be able to shoot like a baby hook or like a one dribble dunk on the inside. You know, I don't think he's going to be able to like duck under somebody to like get under them and get a light one dribble layup or something. But just like a quick like back down one dribble, create some shack space, like use your butt, get into someone and just create a little bit of space and then dunk it, baby hook it, whatever. Like that would be so valuable for him and as an emergency valve for the Knicks where like if they have someone that's on the perimeter trying to create as they do, because that's a big staple of the Knicks offense is just kind of like having someone on the perimeter ISO, whether it's Brunson or Randall, sometimes RJ, you know, if that's falling apart and you've already got Mitch down in the post, like sort of waiting for that offensive rebound opportunity to be able to just kind of emergency valve it to him and say like, crap, Mitch, there's four seconds left on the shot clock. Here's the ball. Mitch gets it one dribble up something. You know, that at least gets you in an attempt. If they could school that into him, if he could school that that skill into himself, I think that could be a huge, a huge addition to the Knicks this year and and to Mitch in general and, and make him a, a much more uh versatile player just with, with that one little skill to be able to do that one extra little thing. Yeah, uh, I've, you've, you've been on the bandwagon forever, Alex. There were like a couple of plays, like I don't, maybe once or twice against the Cavs, but I remember in the regular season, they had those games where they were just opening up with a Mitch post up and like occasionally would go in and it would look pretty good. Like he's like, it, it is it is a little bit of the toponitis a little bit where, where Mitch has been like so like scarred and beaten down by his lack of shot attempts over the years. It's like, like he puts a lot of pressure on himself, I think, to convert each one. And, and if the Knicks almost made a habit of him just getting one of those, like whether it's to open a game, whether it's to open a half, maybe that becomes a little predictable, but like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind it at all. Prez, are you, are you on that bandwagon or? Yeah, I think there's some, I, it goes back to what Alex said. It's just like, he's so big that 
he doesn't need much to get the ball above the hoop. And I mean, late in the season, anecdotally, I know he had a couple of times where we'd be in like semi transition and he would seal his man. And most of the time the Knicks either would not find him or see him or they would, and they would just ignore him and stuff like that, where it's like, okay, he's got someone smaller on him. He could just either go up or take one dribble and dunk it would be great. Um, everybody knows I got to make like an all caps tweet whenever Mitch does a fake handoff and then just drives to the hoop, which happens like twice a season. Um, stuff like that would be great. I, I definitely think it's, uh, it's a bit of a, what is it like a chicken in the egg in terms of like, is his role that restricted or does he not have the confidence to even expand it slightly? But we've now seen like, like you said, we've seen Taj under Tibbs. We've seen iHeart under Tibbs. Um, so we've seen some centers do some things with the ball, nothing crazy. Um, and again, I, I just I hope he has the confidence to experiment a little bit. Um, with him, I don't think he's worried about getting taken off the floor because he's the most integral him and Brunson are like the most integral parts of our team. But I think it's like more confidence in the true sense of it. Like, like, can I do, can I pull this off? Forget like what the coach would do. It's just like, can I pull this off? Like, can I take one dribble and Euro step through the lane or something like that? Like, I think he legit struggles with that. And in a lot of, you know, we all, we all love it and joke when he does these, delete inevitably deleted snapchats or instagram stories about like man i want some touches and then he'll respond on twitter being very candid like like yeah i want some touches but that's also not my job on this team like he's very self-aware in that sense like we often talk about a lot of the knicks not being self-aware at all he's probably hyper aware of himself on the court if i had to guess um and that's why he's probably like, let me err on the side of just doing what I know I'm good at. Um, but go out there and uh, go get you, – you've been here a couple of years. You're allowed to get Tim's mad every now and then. Go, go do a, a spin move here and there. Do a baby hook. Like, I, I, I'm, with, I'm with you, Alex. Let's, let's just expand his bag. Show, show the skills off. Let's, let's see it a little bit. Dabble. Put your big toe in the water. Yeah, and – and to Gavin's point, I don't even think it would make him mad. I don't even think it would make Tibbs mad. Like, like we see Hartenstein do this stuff. We see, you know, we've seen Taj Gibson. Like you just said this too. Like, like there are other centers on the team that have done moves. Like Hartenstein all year uh, was taking floaters. You know what I mean? And that was like a huge part of his shot diet and something he was doing all the time. So like, I don't, uh, I don't see a world where that's like an issue for for Mitch to try that out every once in a while but that's why I think it's a confidence thing like I heart like he's an elite floater shooter and we Mm -hmm. know the Knicks have probably told him like hey take the floater because I mean Katz Fred Katz wrote that article a while back about like the Knicks realizing that that was like an efficiency thing they could exploit um but even I heart like we saw um in the beginning of the year we were like where's his passing this man had a 20 percent assist rate and passed like zero times and then in the second half of the season it didn't get quite back to 20 but i think it was around like 13 or 14 whereas in the first half of the season it was literally the same as mitch so like 
we've seen iHeart get to a place where he's like, okay, I'm comfortable with my role. I'm going to start expanding a little bit what I'm doing. And I, I truly think that like, like y'all said, if, if Mitch confidently decided to do some stuff just like once a game, that Tibbs would be okay with it. But that's the thing. Like Tibbs is like, yo, if you're going to do it, do it. Like what is, what's the, the start, the Yoda quote, there is no do or do not. There's do no, not try. There no try. That, yeah. That's how he is. Like Tib, people think like, Oh, Tibbs loves his defenders. He loves hustle. No, I'll tell you what Tibbs loves. It's people, it's players who confidently and aggressively do whatever their job is, whether that's like Nate Robinson in Chicago coming off the bench or Taj Gibson aggressively setting screens or Mitch aggressively destroying people on the glass. Like that's the way to his heart is like, do whatever you're going to do with confidence and aggression. So that means Mitch, if they give you the ball on that seal, don't go up with no weak sauce, go up. Like you're like, make them have to like foul you, you know, just try to like put them through the hoop. Yeah, and I think I was going to say, I think that's maybe part of the lingering fear there with Mitch is that he doesn't want to get fouled. And maybe that's why he doesn't go to it quite as much. But who knows? Like he, he made those big free throws in the playoffs. Maybe maybe that changes things for him a little bit. And I, I saw like it was either him or his trainer tweeted out. Uh, presumably it's been every offseason. That was one of his focuses is offseason. So we'll see if he can if he can get back up to that uh, high 60s. I mean, wow, I would I, I'd throw a party if he got to 70 percent. But Prez, to your point on, on Tibbs wanting guys to do what they do well confidently. Uh, let me introduce Quentin Grimes, maybe some more creation. And even though this is going to be the last thing we, we, we talk about on this three-parter, this was actually probably the number one skill I wanted to talk about coming into this show. Um, he put up great numbers post-All-Star break. 14 points, three assists, three rebounds, 51% from the field, 45% from the three, 79% foul shooting. But that was essentially without unlocking any greater level of self-creation. Like Prez, you referenced Fred Katz before. He had that great stat earlier in the season that Grimes led the NBA in blow-by rate. You, you, you said it perfectly, going 100 miles per hour every single time. And he also shot 71% at the rim, which was 84th percentile. Um, for shooting guards, the issue was, especially as the season went on, it started feeling like he would predetermine um, that he was going to pass instead of shoot. And I think defenses started taking him a little bit less seriously on drives, and he clearly lost some confidence on drives as the season went along. And if there's a version of Grimes that can combine the volume three-point shooting at above 40% and the ability to confidently get to the rim. And he's like, he got way less attempts at it, but he might be the best like dump off passer to like, whether it's Mitchell Hartenstein, like on this team, like I, I think he probably pretty clear cut is um, there's, there's a lot more to his game that he can unlock. And the biggest thing for me, and I don't think this is really an issue in the regular season, just because the Knicks have so much scoring depth now, like he's pretty clear cut the fourth option in the starting lineup. Um, is that in the playoffs, like if he gets a Duncan Robinson on him, that he can do something one-on-one in, in those types of matchups. And it kind of gets back to the thing. Like we, we can like similar to RJ Barrett, where we can always reference who a guy was as a prospect. And at a certain point, like if they don't show it in the NBA or if they don't show it in a certain context in the NBA, you kind of have to give up on it and say like, all right, like he might just not be willing to do that. Or he might not have the confidence to do that. Or he might not have the permission to do that. But Prez is someone who like, I mean, kind of views players through that lens, like what they did at younger levels, like how that can ultimately translate to the league. Like I'm, I'm not saying like he's going to start getting 10 isolations in the, in like per game. And like, I know this is kind of like two separate things I'm bringing up, 
but do you see like a little bit more self-creation potential for him? And, and maybe even more importantly, do you see opportunities in the Knicks offense where he can get to that? Um, I think the latter question is the more important one. I think he can, I, I am a firm believer that he can do much more than what he's shown as a scorer and a passer, particularly if he gets opportunities to operate not out of the corner. So like, going to the middle of the court, either from the wing or from the top of the court, getting a screen. I think there's a lot he could do. Um, he's so athletic. I think he'll be a good mid-range shooter if given a chance to shoot those. Um, he's a good passer. The decision-making is something that we need to see him kind of prove, but he hasn't had those opportunities. And is he going to get them? I don't know. Maybe. That's one of those things that, like, we know Tibbs is more inclined to make big adjustments to the offense in tandem with the front office between seasons rather than during the season. That's when the front office really sits down and says, okay, this is what the numbers say. We're going to change this, this, and that. We're going to sign these players. We're going to take these shots out of Julius's diet. We're going to take these shots out of RJ's diet, blah, blah, blah. That's when they make changes to players' roles and shots and stuff like that. So it kind of wouldn't surprise me if they decided, all right, we have to give Grimes a little bit more to chew on here because we might be leaving stuff on the table for him and therefore for us. But it also wouldn't surprise me if they were like, nah, we got our main four ball handlers and that's enough. So unless there's injury, if there's injury, then Grimes can cook. But, um, you know, Grimes' primary role is still going to be what he is last year. That's I could see that happening as well. Um, to me, the middle ground would be like, even if, you know, he doesn't need high PNR reps, but like let this man get some handoffs so he could come shooting off a, like Julius used to do with Fournier all the time. And between Julius and Hartenstein, there should be it shouldn't be that risky of a thing to introduce into the offense. Um I he didn't shoot particularly well off handoffs or screens last year, but the sample was so small that I'm not really worried about that. Um he wasn't even in the top a hundred players in the NBA in terms of how often he got chances to shoot off of screens and handoffs. Not raw numbers but like frequency like percentage of possessions so that is an insane thing to me for a shooter of his caliber like there's random dudes like og on anobi who are like way higher and i know like nick nurse nick nurse offense is like terrorism actually so like that's not good that og on had some chances to do that but my point is like we need to there's so much gray area between like nobody's saying like, okay, we're we about to get him, give him the buddy healed shot package here for 30 minutes a game. Just like almost like what we do with IQ, like IQ has a little bit more freedom and gets chances to come off screens and things like that much more than Grimes, which, you know, maybe he's earned that um, from Tibbs, but I hope Grimes gets a chance to do that as well. Yeah. I kind of like that. I hadn't thought about that at all, but that is such easy money. Like that was literally the Fournier thing you mentioned. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like the money play that literally made yes. him the highest three-point shooting player in Knicks history in a bad season, all, all in all. And like Grimes could do that so easily, and that's such a low-lift thing to add to the game plan that in theory should work fine. I mean, if Grimes can't hit those shots, then that's something where you go to him and say, well, figure it out then because you're going to need that throughout your career. Like if you want to go on this this trajectory where you could eventually become, you know, a guy that like we've often put on this show, we've put him in a category where we say if things worked out as best as humanly possible for him, he could like end up Clay Thompson-esque. You know what I mean? Like that level of guy that just like, can consistently bang threes no matter how you get them. Like, as long as you put him in a situation to take a three, he can do it. Uh, And that's, like, such an easy way. And that's not necessarily, like you said, self-created, but it's still a way to get him more attempts and get him more involved in the offense. Now, granted, like, if the playoffs are any indication, like, against the Heat, like, how much more involved can you get him than how involved he was at times down the stretch of that? But there are better ways than necessarily just, like, driving and kicking to him every single time and saying, we'll make this exact same style of shot every single time, like having multiple types of shots that he can go after and, you know, establish a rhythm with could be very beneficial as far as like the, the self-creation aspect of it. I do think, I mean, I'm kind of with you there, Gavin. Like, I think that it would be useful to explore it. I think it's going to be difficult. Like, I think that we're going to have a really good idea, like with most things, on what the Knicks view Grimes' role going into this season as based off how things go in like the first two preseason games. Because we often see that Tibbs comes out firing on all cylinders with exactly what he wants the team to do from like minute one of the preseason. And he will run these guys like even in their normal rotations until like the fourth quarter. You know, like like five minutes left in the fourth quarter, he'll be like, all right, fine, we'll throw the end of the bench guys and get them a couple minutes, I guess. But like until then we're treating this like a real game and this is going to go exactly like how a real game would go. And like, I think that, you know, I, I think if we see Grimes maybe getting some more opportunities to initiate a bit and especially in lieu of like IQ starting, I think that could be really beneficial to have him, you know, screw around a little bit on the perimeter and just see like, Hey, can he, like run a quick pick and roll and, you know, uh, punish guys for not getting, you know, skinny around screens or whatever. Like, can he, you know, actually do that? Like in, in a real NBA setting, like that's not just like summer league or something. Um, I think, I think that would be a great way to assess, like, what do we really have in this guy? And is there another potential level to this? Or is he just going to be a phenomenal you know, spot up three point shooter that can also put the ball on the on the deck a little bit, like to attack a closeout, uh, but not necessarily a guy that we trust to fully initiate things like in a half court offense, like they would even like a a Josh Hart in spot minutes or something like that. You know what I mean? So I, I think I think what we see in in preseason could potentially be indicative of of whether that's going to be in the cards or not. Yeah, I, I just think the handoffs point from Prez is, is such a great one because he's just like, he's a good enough shooter that like a lot of teams are good to like 
have guys like go over on that. And that's going to give him a step going to the rim or like a switch with the big. And like we saw, like he has the juice to beat those matchups. Like when he's at the rim, like this is what shocked me. Or maybe not shocked me because he showed some of his rookie, but he's like, he's a really explosive leaper. Like he collides with guys in the air and he usually wins those matchups and he can like double pump. And he like, he's obviously he's very right hand heavy, but like he finishes great with that right hand. So like, and like maybe he's like worked on his left a little bit. This offseason, like there's a lot of room there for him to be like a really efficient score. And I just I want to see him have a season where he has like, I don't know, like 15 games where he has over 22 or 24 points, like like where he is like a key piece. And there's so many mouths to feed on this team. And it might take a trade again, like whether that's him going out or him staying to like really clarify his role. But I I always say it like he like outside of Brunson is, is probably the guy that I think has the. And this isn't really a controversial statement, like has the clearest vision on like what a championship contending version of the Knicks would look like. And I think this is kind of the year where we want to start seeing him take more steps towards that. Um, but Alex, Prez, unless you guys did anything else, I think we can wrap up here and and, and maybe just finish up by uh, thanking Prez for all of his time. And uh, buddy, uh, if you could just tell everyone where they can find all your amazing work. Press if you want to. I forgot I was on mute. My bad. I'm not your buddy. Call me something else. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at underscore Presidente on Twitter. You can find me at Presidente without an underscore on Blue Sky, just in case the other ship goes up in flames. What about uh, our threads? We got, a, we got a threads handle too? We don't have a threads handle yet. I'm still on the fence about that. So you can't find me on threads. Um, but generally, I'm not really doing anything. This is like the Perez offseason because the draft is done. So I'm just kind of sitting on my butt doing nothing until FIBA starts. <laughs> as you as you have earned uh, with all the all the draft work that ultimately was all for the Knicks to not trade into the draft or make any draft picks this year. So good old Knicks. But you're, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> look forward to whatever you got cooking after FIBAs and, and as we get into the season. Of course, you could also check Prez out on Pod Strickland uh, once a week as well on the, the Friday edition. So check that out as well on the Strickland Podcast Network. But until next time, thank you everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed this three-part episode where we went into all these different skills. Uh, and until next time, we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.